1: Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Draftville, USA Today Sports Network's podcast previewing the NFL Draft in April. I'm your host, Tommy Dees, from the Tennessee and in Nashville. And on today's show, we're talking to Chase Goodbread of NFL.com. We'll be discussing Tua Valoa and a lot of other intriguing prospects. Well, hello, Chase Goodbread. Good to have you here on Draftville.
0: Glad to be on, Tommy. It's uh... Crazy times right now, but hopefully uh, a little football cycle will get people's mind off more important things, at least for a little while.
1: Yeah, the NFL offseason is the only sport in town, uh, in any town these days, free agency right. and the draft coming up. Uh, and, and you covered the draft year-round for NFL.com, is that right? Can you talk a little bit about what you do in that capacity?
0: For the last, I just finished my seventh year working with NFL.com, the first four of those, I was primarily aggregating news, writing quick news shorts on draft prospects. And so that was a, um, a pretty fast-paced role for me on a daily basis, obviously, obviously, especially at this time of year. But three years ago, they moved me into a, a long-form feature writing role that I think suits me a little bit better. And so Now, instead of needing to know a little bit about everybody, I've got to know everything about a few somebodies. (laughs) So that was a a pretty significant switch in my role, but it's it's one that that I've enjoyed. I I write um, anywhere from 12 to 18 of these features a year and they're, they tend to be on the stronger draft prospects, although if a, if a player's story is good enough, it really doesn't matter where he's going to be drafted. we like to go right it if it's, if it's what we're looking for.
1: And it just turn, so turns out that uh, you used to work for the Tuscaloosa News with me in Alabama, so you're right near one of the most intriguing prospects, maybe the most intriguing prospect in the entire draft. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, about Mr. Tua Tungavaloa?
0: Yeah, he's quite a case. I think with the hip injury that he had against Mississippi State last November, his situation uh, became extremely unique in a lot of ways. Not only was he one of the top quarterbacks in college football and one of the best pro prospects at any position for the 2020 draft, but with a significant hip injury, it put him in a a little bit of a precarious position for a while with with NFL team doctors who really didn't quite know what they were going to get or what they were going to see or what he was going to be able to do in the spring, et cetera. And fortunately for Tua, some of those questions, a lot of those questions have certainly cleared up for him. Uh, He was able to get medical clearance, I believe, in early March to start basically full-blast workouts, running, cutting, throwing, everything. I think he was throwing a little bit even even before that point, uh, but his goal was to go to the combine and, and win the medicals, I think is the way he termed it, and, and that's really all he was there for. I'm sure he interviewed with teams as well, and, and that's always important, especially when you're talking about a first-round quarterback, but the biggest thing for him was to get over that hurdle of of medical uh, clearance and and uh, have these team doctors look at that hip and not only see it as healed for 2020 but also take a look at it in terms of whether or not it would impact length of career uh which especially for a hip injury is is something that's of concern uh, and not just with hips, obviously, but a hip is a, is a unique thing. You don't see that, the type of injury that he had every day. And so that's one reason why it was uh, of, of such concern at one point.
1: Well, uh, what do we know about how long, he, how far he has come medically and, and how much does the injury that plagued him a little bit, his junior year, excuse me, sophomore year, two seasons ago, play into what teams are looking at? Or is there a question about his fragility?
0: So, the combine doctors are are looking at that hip in a couple of different ways, And, and they're also looking at the overall medical profile, like you noted. He's had more than just the hip. He's had a thumb injury that wiped out a spring practice for him. He's had a couple of ankle injuries. He's had several things bother him, a couple of procedures, minor surgical procedures for a high ankle sprain on each ankle. So. Overall durability beyond just the hip is is something that they're going to be looking at as well, and you know it's something that that you know two is going to have to have to answer for. Maybe not in twenty twenty. Maybe the team that drafts him decides to put him behind a a, a starter and 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 learn a little bit and, and bring him out in twenty twenty one. We kind of saw Patrick Mahomes take a little bit of a red shirt his first year in the NFL. It's not uncommon.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's more. These days, than in the old days, um, they want a plug and play guy if they if they go first round. But there there often is some patience where they'll give him hey a half a season, or or maybe even a season. Do you think he's? How much does it hurt his stock if he's looked at as as a red shirt guy, a guy who would not play his first year or not play significantly?
0: Right, it certainly wouldn't help his stock. But I think if he were to sit, it would have less to do with his hip. And more to do with the situation, you know. If he ends up with a team that's a little better off at quarterback than you might think of a guy that's going to be drafted that high, then you know, then maybe that's a consideration. If the offensive line's no good and they just don't want to expose a rookie to too many sacks, that's something that that you've got to consider as well. You'd like to put, especially if you're going to throw a rookie into the fire, you'd like to do it as much as you can with a with a capable offense around him. So. Those are all factors when it comes to that, but everything you hear at this point is that the hip, neither the hip nor anything else, is really going to hold him back in terms of draft stock. I think he's, I think he's gone in the first five picks. I don't see how it works any other way.
1: So let's say he's a hundred percent healthy. Would he be the number one guy? What What does he bring to the table football wise as a left hander?
0: Brings incredible accuracy, in my opinion. That that's that's first and foremost. And one of the things that impresses me most about him is his ability to be accurate when things are breaking down around him. Be accurate on the move, or not just not just necessarily being accurate on the run, but also just being accurate when you're trying to throw from the pocket. But a rush is coming up on you, and you've got to adjust your feet a little bit just to stay upright and let the ball go at the same time. He's extremely accurate in those situations as well. So I think the, the arm strength is there, too. He's got plenty of velocity on the ball. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he, he's, he's got a great grasp of the offense. Uh, there's, really, there's really not too many flaws in his game whatsoever. You could say he's not the biggest guy in the world, and he's not. But in this day and age of the NFL, uh, quarterback size isn't looked at quite like it used to be. The smaller quarterbacks are, are starting to trickle in more.
1: And, and before we move on, uh, what, what about his personality? What, who is this guy? Um, you know, I know, for instance, um, that uh, like everyone in his family, all the kids um, in, in his family, he uh, had to learn to play a musical instrument and he plays the ukulele and plays it well, I'm told.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I know faith plays a really strong role in his life for sure. Uh, he's, he's a regular church goer. And as a matter of fact, this, his family going back to Hawaii was, was a family of faith as well. So, so that plays a lot for sure into his personality. He's definitely well liked by his teammates. He's not considered a, a me guy uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so I think from a character standpoint, he's going to hit all the marks.
1: And um, let's move on and talk about some other guys at Alabama. Who, who else at the, on that team? And I know they've got, like usual, a lot of prospects. But, but who, who do you find intriguing on that team before we move on?
0: Well, a couple guys I think jump out on the offensive side of the ball. Certainly one of those is Jedrick Wills, the right tackle. Uh, he's a guy who, who I think... Uh, might be the best right tackle Nick Saban's put out at Alabama. That includes D.J. Fluker. That includes anybody else you want to name. That's how talented this guy is. Uh, you know, he's he's about 310 pounds. He's got good technique as a pass blocker, which is obviously extremely important. He's nasty in the run game and, and can really move people in uh, man-blocking spe- schemes. So he, he's, he brings everything you look for in an offensive tackle, for sure. They don't know if he can go to the left side, really, because he was pretty much anchored on the right side while he was out at Alabama. And sooner or later, I'm sure he'll get comfortable with the left side. He spent a good bit of the spring uh, trying to prepare himself uh, to show the versatility to play on the left. But if that's the only thing that's, Missing from your game, you're in pretty good shape. He's he's a complete player. Athletic as he can be too. If you, if you go back and look at his combine numbers, I think his vertical jump was was in the neighborhood of thirty five inches, give or take, uh, which is right there with Jerry Judy, who's gonna be a first round <laughs> wide receiver. So that that'll tell you something about what kind of athlete he is.
1: Tackle eligible is what I'm thinking.
0: <laughs> there you go, he probably catch it too.
1: And uh and what about rugs?
0: Super Blazer, there's no doubt he's one of the players that uh, we wrote a feature on for our NFL.com Back to Campus series. As a matter of fact, that was the first one we wrote back in the spring. Uh, he's he's a guy that came to Alabama with pretty good bit of hype, and and everybody knew he could run. No one was sure how good a, a, a hands guy he was. He turned out to have fantastic hands. Uh, I, I can I can hardly remember a single ball that he dropped all that season. So he developed into a guy who, who can who can make tough catches when necessary, but the speed is is what stands out with him. If he gets any sort of a crease, forget it. He's gone. You're not gonna catch him. He's not as good a route runner as a Jerry Judy and he's not gonna juke people in the open field maybe as effectively as a Jerry Judy who's who's much more uh, you know, he's a quick guy who's, who's you know, Judy's, Judy's plenty fast by comparison, but he's also super quick and can pull off some of those stop and start moves that shake tackles in the open field. That's not Ruggs' game. Ruggs likes to catch the ball on the run and then just beat people on the dead sprint, and he can he can do it with anybody. He, he ran a 4 7 at the combine, which was the fastest time in the whole event.
1: So when you look around the country, who are some guys that, that you find interesting prospects? And, and you know, give us an idea where they might fall um, and, and you know, what round or whatever they might be projected, but, but what makes them interesting people and, and intriguing prospects?
0: I think one sleeper to watch for is a kid named Kyle Duggar. Uh, he's a, a safety from Lenore Ryan, which is a small school and a Division II school in, in Hickory, North Carolina. He was a, a late bloomer type of guy. He was kind of undersized in high school and really didn't have a lot of recruiting options, which is how he ended up at Lenoir Ryan. And then he just kinda of blew up there size wise, ended up six one and two twenty and and running sub four five and got on a lot of NFL radars. And yeah, he's he's a sleeper from the standpoint that he's a tiny school, but He's not a sleeper from a standpoint of draft position. He'll probably be gone, I I would think, around. So he's one to keep an eye on. Kind of a downhill guy. I I think he'll end up playing strong safety or outside linebacker in the NFL. Um, Not unlike Mark Barron, you know, a, a real big hitter. I know from your days in Tuscaloosa, Tommy, you remember Mark Barron pretty well. I thought he was Uh, a
1: linebacker the first time I saw him, and somebody told me he was a safety, and I said, no, you got to be kidding me. And then he ends up actually started a couple of games at corner in the NFL, too, and now is a linebacker.
0: Yeah, he just got turned loose by your Steelers, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, well, you know, um, I guess they they had other, other plans.
0: Yeah, but anyway, Duggar's definitely one to watch. I think he's that style of player. I think he'll be very good.
1: Who else do you like? Who else? Who else has an interesting story? There's a guy at Kentucky who's um, probably a guy who would like to have more workout opportunities. With coronavirus shutting down pro days pretty much, and and you know he's a guy who probably is looking to play a different position. But um, tell us about him.
0: Yeah, Lynn Bowden at Kentucky just kind of turned the SEC on its ear last year in the middle of the season when Mark Stoops decided to move him from wide receiver to quarterback pretty much as an emergency they they were beat up at the quarterback position uh, pretty much down to nothing at the most important position on the field so they had to do something and they decided to throw Lynn Bowden in there who's a kid from Youngstown Ohio who's a fantastic athlete he had played quarterback at the high school level and you know he ended up just just running for a ton of yards in the SEC and Turned a lot of heads, and you know, there was some thought in the fall that might not be good for him to be playing a lot of quarterback in college where his draft stock is concerned because wide receivers obviously is pro future. But I've talked to a couple of scouts about him, and and, it doesn't bother them at all because they, they feel like he showed enough at the receiver position previously in his career, particularly in 2018, uh, that you know they'd seen enough of him there to know he could do it. And seeing him at quarterback showed him some different things, uh, expanded him, uh, I think, mentally a little bit in terms of understanding the entire offense as opposed to just what he needed to do, and uh, showed a lot of toughness too. He's a small guy, but, but he doesn't mind taking people on.
1: Yeah, and and one would think um we you know with your, your roster limits we see it a lot uh with the patriots and and with others dual threat guys guys who can do more than one thing the the you know randall l slash guys um if you know if you can return and receive if you can you could use this guy you know on some on some end rounds where you let him throw it you could find a way to get him the ball on a pitch here and there you know we've seen the Patriots use wideouts as, as running backs. Do you think that actually ends up helping him some?
0: I think it does. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. His versatility is something that – it's not only something that he can give whatever team that drafts him, but I think whatever team drafts him is going to need to do that with him to get the most out of him. Um, play him in the slot, but, you know, maybe give him a couple of jet sweeps. Find a way to get him some easy touches – drop him in there as a as a punt returner, maybe a kickoff returner as well and and you know just let him impact the game without necessarily making him your number one wide receiver. He can he can do a lot of damage. He's he's a dynamic athlete.
1: Who are some other guys you've talked to that just have interesting stories?
0: Davion Taylor uh, would would be one. He's a linebacker from Colorado who uh, didn't play hardly any high school football at all. Actually ended up only playing a game and a half in his entire high school career and ends up in a position now where he's probably going to be a, a mid-round draft choice. Uh, his, his mother is part of the Seventh-day Adventist faith. And in that faith, the Sabbath is from sunset on Friday until sunset on Saturday. And in her house, you rest from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. Period. Uh, there were no exceptions under that roof, and therefore, no high school football uh, because uh, because the sunset on Friday uh, meant that he had to be home. So,
1: so he was he was studying the schedule.
0: Story. He was able to he was able to hook on uh, with a junior college in Mississippi, and then go on to Colorado from there. But Pretty rare case of a guy that's headed to the NFL that really didn't even play in high school.
1: Yeah, in high school, he's probably looking for that one Thursday night game on the schedule, right?
0: <laughs> that's exactly right. I don't think he ever got it. He actually, you know, they played JV games on Thursdays, of course, which is pretty common. He's from Mississippi. He's from Magnolia, Mississippi, which is in the southwest part of that state. And uh JV games weren't a problem because he was he was able to play those on Thursday nights regularly. So he was good to go in the ninth and 10th grade. But like most states, Mississippi has a state high school rule that says you can't play JV past the 10th grade.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So once he timed out of JV eligibility as a sophomore, that was it for him.
1: Okay, throw one more name at me before we go. Pick one out of a hat.
0: Uh, Matt Pert, offensive tackle from uh, UConn, is one to watch for. Don't know a whole lot about his personal backstory, but I liked what I saw of him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's got a lot of size, a lot of length. I think he's going to develop into a pretty good offensive tackle at the next level. May take some time, may take a year or two for him to get on the field as a starter, uh, but I think he's I think he's got a lot of potential. And, uh, not sh- hard to say exactly where he's going to get drafted. It's a pretty solid year at the top of the draft at that offensive tackle position. Uh, and, and certainly Jedrick Wells, who we talked before about before is uh, pretty close to the top of that list, but Burt's a guy I think a team could get a little bit later in the draft and, and get some great long-term value from him.
1: Well, thank you, Chase Goodbread, for dropping by and uh, talking about these intriguing prospects and uh, maybe telling us some things about some guys we didn't know and uh, telling us more about some guys we did. Uh, we appreciate having you.
0: Sounds good. Look forward to next time, Tommy. All right. Thank you.
1: And that's it for another edition of Draftville, a podcast of the USA Today Sports Network, looking at the NFL draft that will be coming up in Las Vegas. I'm your host, Tommy Dees, from the Tennessee and in Nashville, and we'll be back next week with another episode. We hope you'll download this on iTunes or Google Play or wherever it is you get your podcasts, and leave us a rating or a comment if you'd like.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.